last week we started the brand, our brand new year with a brand new series called Scary, Scary Faith. Scary faith. It's, uh, I, I call this scary faith because I think that I think sometimes we should just be real in our Christian journey and call it what it is. I wanted to call it convenient faith, comfortable faith, easy faith, instant faith, but all of those are lies. So I had to just call it what it is, scary faith. If you were here last week, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrew children that were slaves, and, uh, and, and they faced a king, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, that said, worship me or you're going to be thrown into a furnace. They didn't worship him. They stood up for God. They got thrown into the furnace, but they made this statement that I think, um, I think will hit you the same way it hit me. They said this. You can throw us into the furnace if you want, but even if God does save us, they said God can save us, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, they were good. Even if he doesn't, I don't know about you, but that kind of like hit me wrong because I'm kind of like, man, if you do this, God, I'm in for life. If, If you do, you ever done that? Like I did that last week. I, I've got some things I got to do because the Seahawks won and he did what he needed to do and I got to do what I got to do. And now we got to up the ante this week and, and so we just got to keep on, keep on working. But, but, but they said, even if you don't, which tells us that they were more focused on who God was than what he could do. See, that's an element of scary faith. Scary faith says, even if you don't, God, I'm in. That's scary faith. Now, I want to I today, for part two, I want to go to another phrase in Scripture that hits me the same way that one does. All right? And you're going you're gonna to know it when I read it. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. And so we're going to read through verse 7. It says, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father, Saul, King Saul, who was trying to kill David. He's Jonathan's best friend. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree. Does anyone else ever wonder why Scripture is so specific about certain things? Like Saul sitting under a pomegranate tree? Uh, just me. No worries. Pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. Also loved the Old Testament names. He was the son of Ichabod's father, Ahitab, Phineas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. Okay, just catch that. On each side of Jonathan was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Senna. One cliff stood to the north towards Michmash, the other towards the south, towards Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Inappropriate, I know. (laughs) Then he says this, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Okay, stop for a second, because this is really important. Perhaps? Perhaps, maybe. Hey, God might come through for you. Hey, jump in front of that semi. Perhaps he'll stop. That's what's happening right now. Saul is sitting back counting his troops, trying to assess if they even have a chance in the battle under a pomegranate tree, mind you. Jonathan is saying, I'm going for it. I'm stepping out. Maybe where I shouldn't step out, and maybe God will come through. He says, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. 
And his, his armor bearer, who has more faith than I do, says, do all that you have in mind. His armor bearer said, go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. I mean, that, that's crazy. The, he leaves the entire army. This is the story. He leaves the entire army, and Jonathan says, let's do it on our own. And if I was the armor bearer, I'd be like, all right, you need some sleep and some food. It's been seven days on the fast. You're not thinking straight. Lay down. I'll get you a juice, right? <laughs> but his armor bearer is like, let's do this. I'm with you, man. I'm with you heart and soul. Man, let's move on to maybe. Like, can I just say that's dangerous? That's dangerous. Nobody likes maybe. Nobody likes perhaps. You ever bought a new car and asked, like, man, how, how does it run? It's like, well, it, it might run. <laughs> it might? Yeah, I'll take it. Absolutely. I mean, you ever, you ever seen a wedding? People taking the vows at the altar there, and they do, do, they're saying the vows, like, I do, and the wife says, like, I might. <laughs> Nobody feels confident about maybe. I, I remember I was bungee jumping one time. I only did it one time. Just had to... And honestly, I just did it to prove everybody wrong because they said I wouldn't do it, and then I said I would, and then I'm up there. I'm like, I'm an idiot. They're down there enjoying themselves, and I'm up here trying to prove them wrong. I'm up there, and I'm, I'm, I'm checking the har harness, you know, like just like I, I want to just make sure this thing's right. And I asked the guy, like, hey, like this is, this is, this is good, right? And, and, and if he would have said maybe, <laughs> do you think that I would have ever jumped up? Well, i got to be honest with you. I, I didn't jump. I guess they, they knew about people like me. And so I stood on a platform. He says, I'm going to count to three and then jump. And he counted to three. And, and I wanted to jump. I, I did. Everything in me wanted to. I just didn't move. And so I look at him, and he looks at me. And then with all the pleasure in the world, he flips the switch. It's a trap door. I fall, screaming expletives at him. As, I'm just joking, 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 joking. And I lived. It was safe. It's awesome. I'm just going to let you know that nobody wants to live on maybe. Nobody wants to live on a perhaps. And in this story, Saul is facing one of the greatest battles of his day. David is about to take the kingdom. Saul is cowering in fear. He's assessing his strength. He's assessing his ability. He's assessing the chance of victory. All the while, Jonathan says, the cause is too great to sit here and watch. The cause is of such that I'm going to lean out, I'm going to lean in, I'm going to get into a place of perhaps. I'm going to just see what God, we're dead anyways. We, we can sit here and count the troops again, thousands, hundreds, we're dead. Or I could just make a move. I could just take a chance. I could just take a risk and just see what God could do. And so when I'm thinking and studying about faith, this is what I want to say about faith. I want to say this. The move or action is in the maybe. It, it, it's in the perhaps. I know that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to me either. Even if he doesn't, perhaps the Lord. These phrases don't make us feel good. Jonathan is between two cliffs. He is literally between a rock and a hard place. He is there between these things. You ever felt stuck? You ever felt like, man, every direction you turn, there is another storm, another difficulty, more opposition, more people that don't have your best interests in mind, more people disappointing you. I mean, it's just you're stuck. This is where Jonathan is at. But he says, 
man, I'm going to move on maybe. I am going to take my chances on perhaps. I am literally going to put myself in a place where God has to come through. And this is where I believe, this, this is what scary faith is. Scary faith makes a move on maybe. If you're going to live a life of scary faith, you will not have the luxury of only making a move on certainty, only making a move on assurance, only making a move on calculated risk. Oh, scary faith is seen and neat. That, that's why we bought a building in Oak Cliff, because we saw a need that needed to drive. Other people were leaving. Other organizations were leaving. We saw a need that we said, man, this need is too great. The cause is too great. We can't leave. We can't run. We've got to inject ourselves. Well, did you have an audible voice from God? Tell nope, I didn't. Did you have a word, a dream in the night that said go by that? Nope, didn't. I saw a need. And we collectively, because you're with me, right? Stuck our butt into the problem, said perhaps the Lord. Per, per, do you know the difference between people that do great things for God and people who don't? The people who do great things for God do them. I know you're expecting something a little deeper than that. No, 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 that's that's it. That's it. There's people that sit and watch and wait, and there's people that decide. No, there's a problem, and I'm going to do something. That's scary faith. Scary faith says maybe God will. Maybe God, maybe God will flip the city upside down. Maybe God will bring revival. Maybe God will go to the most, most, most terrible, violent places in the Metroplex and flip it around as a beacon of light for the entire Metroplex. Perhaps, perhaps. Acts chapter 15, verse 28. This is funny. Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The guy is smart, right? He, he leads and pioneers the beginning of the early church. And they're trying to make a decision. This is what he says. It says, he, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to... Just stop. Stop, stop. Seemed good? This is too much uncertainty. Perhaps? Paul is saying, yeah, it seemed... It, it seemed if Jamie would have told me when I proposed, seems good. <laughs> it seems good. Oh, come on, better than that. Like, a certain yes would be nice with, like, an exclamation point at the end. Like, like seem, it seems good. Seems like the odds are good. Seems good to me in the Holy Ghost. Like, let's do this. This is what Paul is saying. And honestly, this is what scary faith looks like. I've done my best to listen. I've done my best to hear. It seems good to me and God. Let's do this. And I started studying the scriptures because this doesn't sound like the faith that we would teach. We would, sounds like the, the, the faith that I think that we would most be accustomed to is this type of faith. An audible voice spoke to me last night in my prayer closet and told me to do this and this and this. And the reason I'm doing this and this and this is because he promised me in his audible voice. But I started reading the Gospels. And when I read the Gospels and I saw Jesus' interaction with people with real needs and real problems and real issues, I saw something very interesting. Do you, do you, remember, do you, remember, um, do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? I was thinking about this because she had been sick for 12 years. And she had, went, she had spent all her money. She's a wealthy woman. She had spent all her money trying to find an answer. And the Bible says that she moved her way through the crowd. And she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And she was healed instantly. 
Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? His disciples are like, everybody's, everybody's touching you. It's a crowd. He's like, no, I felt power go out for me. Pause. Wait, Jesus didn't let power go out of him intentionally? Jesus didn't engage the woman with the issue of blood because he was all-knowing and saw her need? No. The woman had a need and said, perhaps I'll be healed if I touch the hem of his maybe. Maybe. You remember Jairus' daughter? Jairus comes to Jesus and says, my daughter is sick, but if you just say the word. Did you hear what I just said? Jairus came to Jesus. Jesus didn't go to Jairus and said, because I am all-knowing and I am the Messiah, I also know your daughter is sick. You ever felt like, man, if Jesus just knew my needs, if God just knew what I was going through. You know what God's waiting on? For you to move on a maybe. Perhaps the Lord. People say, well, man, you have so much faith. Like, what if God doesn't come through? Can I ask you a question in 2020? What if he does? What if he does? What if God does flip a city upside down? What if God does bring revival? What if God does set our youth on fire? What if God does save an entire high school? What? But what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? What if he does? It's the wrong question. You remember Peter, our friend Peter? We always talk about Peter. P Peter was in the boat, right? Jesus starts walking on the water. Peter thinks it's a ghost, which is a little bit of insulting. Like we have the Messiah walking out there. He's like, I think, I think it's a ghost, but it might be Jesus. He looks ghost, ghostly. So Peter takes it on himself, say, hey, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come on out to you on the water. And Jesus is like, it, it's me. Come on out. Peter's like, oh, man, why'd I do it? Why'd I do it? I want you to see something. Jesus didn't see Peter. Peter saw Jesus. Peter initiated the, Jesus wasn't like, I am just looking for a disciple to walk on the water. Jesus was on his way to the boat. He wasn't looking for anybody to walk on the water, but his power was available to somebody who would make a move on a maybe. His ability, his provision, his supernatural characteristics were available to somebody who said, is that you? Perhaps I could walk to you on the water. Perhaps. So, I thought about this faith thing, and I took it a step further. Not only is the move in the maybe, but the miracle, the breakthrough that we're looking for, is actually in the movement. The, 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 the miracle is, see, faith has movement to it. Faith is not stationary. Faith doesn't sit still. Faith doesn't watch. Faith is full of action. I'll read it to you in James chapter 2, verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Now listen to this. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is, you say it, dead. It's dead? But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. And then listen to James, throw it down here. He says, you show me that faith without deeds. He said, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Another translation says, I'll show you my faith by what I do. By what I do. You can tell people of faith, 
not by this aura that they have about them. You can, tell, you can tell people of faith by what they're doing. This is a church of faith. You know how you can tell it's a church of faith? By what we're doing. Where's the impossibility? Did you know we are going over our values as a church with our staff? Do you know what one of our values are as a church? We value impossibility. Well, that sounds a little counterintuitive. We va- I love it when people say no. I love it when there's an impossible situation because it reminds me of Jonathan and Saul because the situation was impossible and Jonathan is sitting there saying, I can't stay still and Saul is sitting there counting his troops. Can I do it? What kind of talents do I have? What kind of abilities do I have? I'll just work harder. I'll work some overtime. I'll do this. I'll strive more. I'll do this. And he's trying to figure out in his own strength. Jonathan's smart enough to know they're beat. No, no, we don't have enough soldiers. We don't have enough power. We don't have enough strength. God, we're going to need you. And because I know we need you, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to just take a step right here and I'm just going to say, maybe, maybe God will come through. Maybe God will show up. That's why we need crazy faith. That's why we need scary faith. That's why we need to dream big. That's why we need to believe the God of the word, not the God of our culture. That's why we need to believe that God still does miracles. That's why we need to believe God still saves cities. That's why we need to believe that God can still turn lives around. we got to have a faith that believes it. You cannot separate faith from action. If, 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 if we really believe that the victory is up to us, We're going to be like Saul, counting our ability. But if you believe that the victory belongs to God, then you will be able to begin to inject yourself into needs and impossible situations and believe that God is going to come through. The movement is up to me. The miracle is up to him. The the, the movement is my responsibility. I don't have to bring the victory. I've got to get in position for the victory. I've got to posture myself for the great thing that God's about to do. I don't have to come up with it. God's got the power. He's got the ability. I've just got to do my, my part. I've got, to, I've got to make a move. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat. That's the name of our third child. It's going to be prophetic. No pressure. If you want to, that's fine. It's great. But if we have a third, Jehoshaphat. And all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Can I just put it into our world? Don't be afraid or discouraged by the battle you're facing. You're facing a battle? Probably most of us are. Don't be afraid or discouraged by the temptation you're facing. Don't be afraid or discouraged by the mistakes you've made. Don't, I mean, just, just pull it into your world. It says, for the battle is not yours. It's good news. It's God's. For the battle is not yours. It's God's. This battle belongs to God. I know it's easier said than, than, than done. I know it's, it preaches better than it lives. I understand that. But faith, scary faith, begins to recognize that the miracle is in my, it's in my movement. I think sometimes we think, like, if the challenge is too great, then God might not be able to get us out of it. Can I just say this way? God is never threatened or intimidated by the size or the strength of your enemy. God is never intimidated by the strength or the size of the battle that we're facing. To him, it's the same thing. 
If you're facing a massive battle and I'm facing a small battle, it's the same power because he has all power. So it takes the same amount of power and the same amount of grace to save a real bad sinner and a partial sinner. It's the same thing to him. And we put a measurement system on it thinking this one's too big. This one's too much. Oh my gosh, not her, not him. But it's the same to God. And when the victory belongs to God, you can rest assured that this battle, it belongs to him. Proverbs chapter 31, 21, verse 30, it says, There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Somebody should write that down like, quote that all week long. There is no plan, no insight, no strategy, no attack, no, no, nothing can succeed against the Lord. That's really good news. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Nothing can succeed. I'm helping you today. That's, nothing can succeed against the Lord. I have up here a, uh, it's a malfunctioning light. All right. But this light is a, it's a motion detector light. That's, that's, that's what this is. It's supposed to detect motion and then come on, all right? So you know, it hasn't been working today, really, and so it's like, you know, it just, it is what it is. But this is a motion detector light. Do you know how motion detector lights work? I'm, I'm really smart about these things. It, it detects motion. Come back next week. Uh, it detects motion. When it detects motion, it triggers the light. Detects motion, triggers the light. It's pretty simple. Wherever there's motion, the light shines. If there is no motion, there is no light. Now, I want to attribute this to your faith because I think some of us, we think that if we sit real still and we just wait on God to change the entire world, save our family, our in-laws, put the president that we want in, whatever, it'll happen. The miracle is in the movement. The power is in the motion. If I'm not willing to move, then I will never activate his power. Well, I don't know if that's true. God's going to do what he wants to do. No, I'm going to tell you this. you got power. You've got power. There's power in your movement. There's power in your motion. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. He's pleased by our faith. He's not only pleased by our faith, he's moved by our faith. And when you get busy moving, God gets busy acting. That's how it works. Now, now this, this might be, this might be T, TMI, all right? But I love you. Like, you know, this is like you're, you're my, my friend's family. Uh, in my bathroom, in my office, I have a bathroom in there. Um, it has a motion detector light. And at times when I'm in there, it, on, a, on a rare occasion, I'm in there for a long time. And if I sit really still, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's graphic. It'll, it's going to prove a point, okay? It, if I sit really still, the lights will turn out. It's like pitch black in there. And, and I have to like, have some motion in order to get that light back on. Because you don't, you, you, need, you need light. Okay, I'm just, I'm gonna leave it at that. You're smart enough to understand. Like you need light. And, and, and so I gotta, I gotta have some motion to activate the light. Do you know this is how your faith works? 
If there is not, I'm not talking about striving. I'm not trying to work up something for God. I'm not trying to, talking about performing for God. I am talking about a move of deliberate action, a place of faith, a decision of faith that says, God, there is a problem and you're not okay with it and I'm not okay with it. I am going to inject myself into this situation and I'm saying, perhaps the Lord, maybe with a little attitude, maybe with a little boldness, maybe with a little courage, looking at our world and saying this world is not supposed to be like this. It's not supposed to stay like this. So I'm not going to sit back and watch it act like this and be like this and just be our safe little church. It's another reason we call it scary faith because I don't want a safe church. I want a scary church. Tweet that. Pastor wants a scary church. Huh? I, want, I want a church that is not threatened by the state of the world and thinking that the size or the enormity of the enemy now puts a damper on God's power. I want to know how, no matter how strong the enemy is and no matter how great the attack is, if I could just with faith put myself in a position, say perhaps... Perhaps the Lord, perhaps, moving on a maybe. That was my alternate title. You like it? Moving on maybe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a song about it. Maybe. Mo- moving, on, moving on maybe. I'm going to move on maybe. I'm going to move on. Some of you have been waiting your whole life, and you're wondering why God's never done anything. You're actually mad at God. And, and if you actually would move, wouldn't that be awesome if it turned on? <laughs> if, if, if you moved... God might begin to release his power. And it'd almost, be dis- it'd almost be discouraging to think that, wait a second, all this time I've been mad at God, like 20, 23 years, mad at God, and this whole time I've been sitting stationary in a dark bathroom wondering why, when he's going to flip the light on, and all I needed for the light to be turned on was like a... Left arm, right arm, Father Abraham. <laughs> Moses! Motion. So this is what I want to ask you to do. This is what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you because I was, I was thinking about this. And, 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 and this, I want you to remember this. We put it on the screen. God's power is activated by our movement. God's power is activated by our movement. And I, I, was, I, was, I was thinking this week, like, like what, is, what does this look like for us? What, is it, what does it look like? That's great. Like, what am I supposed to do? And I, I want to just give you a couple of things that I think are going to really help you as somebody comes to the keys. I, 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 I want you to just get this in your heart. Make a move towards freedom. Just, just make a move. This is what I'm going to bring it right into your world now, okay? Make a move towards freedom. What does that look like? Is there any area that you're not walking in complete freedom? Whatever. See, in 2020, let me just encourage you this. In 2020, just make a move towards it. Don't try to, don't try to just like get everything today. Just make a move. Because you're going to need light to see. And if you would just make a move, he'll shine his light. He'll release his power. You should make a move this year. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give them all. Some of them are the same, but make a move towards forgiveness. Just make a move. Like, make a move. Right now, you're thinking like, I will never forgive her. Stop. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Like you're angry right now. Like you're gripping your leg, giving yourself a bruise. It's okay. Anyway, listen. Just make a move towards it. 
Make a move towards it. Make a move towards deliverance. It's real similar to freedom, but deliverance is, if you found yourself saying things like, I have a temper, I'll always have a temper, I'll never not have a temper, you need deliverance. I have this addiction, I'll always have this addiction. You need deliverance. Deliverance is not like this huge demonic battle with the host of heaven. Deliverance is the power of God setting you free. That's being delivered. Delivered from the thing that's holding me or grip. Does it make sense? I want you to move towards deliverance. In 2020, I want you to move towards breakthrough. I want you to move. Where do you need breakthrough? I want you just to move towards. Just, just take a step. Just get in the way of the problem. Make an intentional move. Make a move towards reconciliation. I think this is a big one because sometimes we can forgive, but we, do, we don't reconcile. Now, not a, not, a lot of times people don't want to reconcile if there's been breaks of, of relationship. And that's okay. You know what I made a commitment to do in my life? This is just a, a value for me personally. Is that anyone that I would ever have relationship with, ever came to our church in the past, ever comes to our church now, no matter what, that they would never leave my life without hearing words of forgiveness, reconciliation, and love. Because I like going through life with my head held high. I like to go into the gym and not be like, oh my gosh, there's so-and-so. Everybody does this, right? It's like, oh no, not her, not him. No, I want everybody, if they choose to leave my life, I want it to be with the words of reconciliation, forgiveness, and love. You can always come back. We can always reconcile. We can always make amends. I want my heart to be open. I want, I want to just ask you, in 2020, would you make a move towards that? Just make, just make, a, make a move towards would, would you? And this is the last one. Would you make a move towards God? In 2020, just, just make a move towards Him. Just, just make a move towards Him. The Bible says in James, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. So I'm just asking you, can you, can you just do this for me? In 2020, just, just draw near. Just, just make a move. Make a move and see what happens. Make a move and see if the light turns on. Make a move and see if God doesn't release His power. I'm going to have the band come back up, but I, w- I want to give you one, one more thought. In John chapter 9, there's a story about a blind man. And uh, Jesus healed lots of blind men uh, in, in, in the Bible. And one time, Jesus prayed for a blind man, and he, his vision kind of got healed, but didn't all the way. And you had to pray for him twice. This is in your Bible, which should be encouraging to some of you. Even Jesus had to pray again. So I should encourage somebody. That's for free. This instance, John chapter 9, blind man comes to Jesus. Notice the way I'm saying this comes to Jesus. Jesus didn't find the blind man. The blind man found him. That's difficult, by the way, if you're blind. He finds him. Jesus has this conversation with him, and the Bible says this, and I would probably have a problem with this, but Jesus spits in the dirt, makes mud, puts it on the guy's eyes. That would be difficult for me on a maybe. If it was a sure thing, I'm like, give me the mud. But if it's a perhaps, like, keep the spit in your mouth. Although I watched LeBron the other night against the Mavs, and I was like, man, even if he sweats on me, I'm good. Like, it's like, it's LeBron. He makes mud, puts in his eyes, and then he tells the man this. He, he tells him, he says, I want, I want you to go, uh, I want you to go wash, wash it off. 
So I'm thinking, if I was writing the story, this is how I'd write it. So the man takes Jesus at his word. He takes a step towards the pond and he can see through the mud and he goes all the way and washes it off. That was not the case. He had to be led and he didn't get healed. So he has an encounter with Jesus and he leaves worse than he came. That's how he left Jesus. He came to Jesus with clear eyes he just couldn't see. Now he leaves Jesus still blind and with mud in his eye. And he goes to the pool, and this is what John 9 says, that he dips in the pool, washes in the pool, and the, there's this little verse in there, it's awesome, it says, and he came back seen. He, he came back seen. Do you know what that looks like? That's a lot of, that's a lot of, that's a lot of motion with no power, that's not a lot of motion, and it's scary faith, it's a perhaps, it's a maybe. But the miracle was in his movement. And his movement was obedience. And his movement was surrender. And his movement was trust. Even though he is blind. Even though he had mud in his eyes. He said, I don't care what they're saying. I don't care what they're saying about me. I don't care what they're blogging about me. I don't care what they're tweeting about me. They're like, look at the crazy man. Look at the blind man with mud in his eyes. I don't care because I trust the words of the man who sent me. I'm going to wash these eyes. And I'm going to see the miracle is in the movement. I'm looking for some people in 2020 to make a move. Make a move towards God. Make a move towards breakthrough. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.